This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Limbo is the first of nine rings of hell in Dante's poetic fiction. It is unique in the landscape of the Inferno. Although beyond the river Acheron, and so part of the place of torment for those who have lost the good of the intellect, it is nonetheless not a place of torment, nor are its occupants dummies. To quote the boastful character Vizzini from the 1987 film classic, The Princess Bride, ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? They are found here in limbo and whatever Vizzini says, they are not morons. So why does Dante place them here and so prominently in Inferno. What does the fate of virtuous pagans like Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates tell us about Dante's vision of God's justice and the human pursuit of the good? Before addressing these questions, I want, you, I want to invite you to pause and look with me at the dramatic scene of Dante's encounter with Aristotle and company. Limbo is the first of many surprises in the divine comedy. Instead of the promised howls of suffering, we hear sighs. And instead of flames of torment, we see a fire whose purpose is to give light. Its people are courteous and gracious. Its landscape is accessible and vivid, laid out almost like a tapestry or an illuminated manuscript. There is first a forest where multitudes congregate, multitudes of unnamed men, women, and infants. And this multitude surrounds the focal point of the scene, a fortified castle surrounded by a moat and seven walls. And within that castle is a pleasant green meadow. Unlike the anonymous souls outside, the people in this castle and its seven walls have made a name for themselves. In a roll call of famous people, Dante names some paragons of humanity from the pagan and Muslim worlds, from legend, epic, and history. These include statesmen, philosophers, wives, daughters, generals, scholars. This is the creme de la creme, and these souls give courteous hospitality to their distinguished guest. You may recall that they send a welcoming committee, three Roman poets and the archaic Greek poet Homer. With Virgil, these make a glorious school, like a fraternity of poets. And Dante immodestly tells us that the ancient poets invite him to join their fraternity. So what's going on in this scene other than Dante's outrageous self-promotion? Limbo seems to be the place where Dante wrestles with the fate of the virtuous pagans, including his beloved Virgil. What happens to good people who are not Christians when they die? Maybe you've asked the question. If your theology includes some account of rewards and punishments in the afterlife, you might stumble over some of Christianity's claims to exclusivity. A lot is at stake. And you must have observed that non-Christians have done and continue to do a lot of good. Can a just God condemn seemingly good, even God-like people, just because they don't embrace the faith? Then what about those who don't even know about the faith? These are questions Dante raises explicitly later in the Divine Comedy, but they seem implicit already here in Canto Four of Inferno. Dante clearly has an affection for this company he finds in Limbo, it's an affection shared by many Christians who value the classics and their legacy. And this affection may have caused the historic Dante to feel some misgivings 
as he contemplated an eternal fate of authors like Virgil, whom Dante the Pilgrim will later refer to as father. When we reflect on Dante's exile from Florence, which was the major biographical circumstance of writing the Divine Comedy, there's a real poignancy to the scene of hospitality in Canto IV of Inferno. Dante depended on hospitality for years, and it's perhaps his greatest tribute to Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates that he characterizes them in this scene as host. So far as I can recall, Dante's reception within that seven-walled castle is the only literal scene of bricks-and-mortar hospitality within the whole Divine Comedy. And writing in exile, he must have felt a lot of emotion in writing that scene. Perhaps Dante was divided in his feelings about the fate of the virtuous pagans, but he illustrates two principles in his fiction of Limbo, and he illustrates them unequivocally. We might even say that if poets are in the business of affirming things, then Dante affirms two things in Limbo. First, he makes an unambiguous statement of optimism about human nature. He assigns a goodly portion of hell to human beings who knew no sin. Now, if you take a high view of biblical authority, you might find Dante's assertion of human goodness contrary to scripture, such as Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Inferno 4, the poet Virgil flatly contradicts the literal sense of that verse and says plainly, they did not sin. He even says they have merits. Second, if poets are in the business of affirming things, Dante affirms that there is no salvation outside the church. In other words, the principle of exclusion explicitly stated in Canto IV is not ethnic, nor is it even epistemic, that is, a matter of belief or knowledge. Rather, what excludes the virtuous pagans and other innocents in this vision is the circumstance that they are not baptized. Baptism, you may know, is one of the seven sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church, and here it appears as a kind of gateway to the sacramental system. Dante had no love for the church leadership of his day. That's another story. But regardless, he tells throughout the Divine Comedy a story of human redemption and flourishing that is thoroughly sacramental, that is to say, under the authority of the church. For many of us in the modern world, including many Christians, this sacramental principle of exclusion will be strange, and it will take a good deal of historical imagination to understand Dante's complacency in affirming it here in Limbo. Is Limbo Dante's last word on the fate of the virtuous pagans? As I mentioned, he will take up that question again later on a number of occasions and there will be more surprises in store. Surprises like the ones we've been considering in Canto IV of Inferno are an important way that Dante keeps us alert, encouraging a sense of mystery and wonder as we read. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.